The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 73rd ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as the events that I attended. Also, during the show, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Before I get started, I want to just mention that you listeners will recall that the past two weeks I talked about uh, a... NFL U.S. Army news conference that I covered out at West Point a few weeks ago where the two organizations announced they are teaming up to study traumatic brain injuries, i.e. concussions. And I did write an article about it, uh, and it is appears now on the Armchair General Magazine website, which is www.armchairgeneralonword.com. It's a magazine I've written articles for for years, and the article also appears on the NFL Player Engagement website as well, and that is www.nflplayerengagement.com. So with that said, let's jump right into my highlight of the week, which is the return of the NFL, uh, highlighted by Peyton Manning. Uh showing his old form against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the number one ranked defense of last year and many, many recent years. And it was just great to see Peyton back on the field. Looked like the old Peyton to me, to say the least. And uh, just a very, very impressive performance, uh, punctuated, of course, by Tracy Porter intercepting Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the game on a pick six to put the game away, and where have we seen that before, Drew Brees? So it was just a terrific game to watch. It was the highest-rated Sunday night NFL telecast ever, which is saying something. They've had some good ones. So it just shows the draw of Peyton Manning, and 
he is just the best, uh, and not only on the quarterback side, uh, along with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Brees himself, but he's the best at uh, interviewing. I thought his interview with Michelle Tafoya after the game was just priceless. As a member of the media, I was just, uh, again, re-impressed, shall we say, uh, forgotten a little bit after a year off. Uh, how likable he really is, and the way he kept referring to her as Michelle. He must have called her by her first name no less than five times. Uh, this is a guy who really, really gets it, and trust me, is someone who interviews a lot of athletes. You know when uh, someone really understands how it's done, and nobody does it pay- better than Peyton Manning. So other highlights of the week, uh, the NFL week, included, of course, RG3, just lighting it up down in New Orleans. Uh, for him to go down in his first game ever and beat the New Orleans Saints in the Dome, with the Saints being on an emotional high after everything having to do with Bounty Gate and just days after the reinstatement of Jonathan Vilma and others, uh, was nothing short of incredible. And uh, so hats off to RG3. Again, my loyal listeners will recall that uh, I interviewed him down at the NFL Draft in April and uh, along with many other media, and he was just absolutely electric. Personality, uh, could not have been more impressed watching him on the red carpet before the draft and uh, then watching him after his selection in the interview room and then most importantly afterwards taking non-stop pictures, mostly with servicemen. You'll remember his father is a serviceman, so he grew up in a military background, which I think is a large part of why he is who he is. There's an athlete, another athlete, who really gets it, and boy, it sure was exciting. And uh, he is someone who, you know, could light it up for years to come. He's uh, just tremendous to watch, to say the least. And... Uh, Another highlight, being up here in Patriots land, was to watch Chandler Jones strip sack Jake Locker of the Titans in the opening victory by the Patriots, and then see it scooped up by Dante Hightower and run in for a score. And as Patriot fans who have been dying for defensive improvements, specifically a pass rush through the draft for years, to see those two who were taken in the first round team up in the first quarter of the first game of the season for a score was just uh, a sight for sore Patriot eyes. And, uh, boy, they may be the missing ingredient that the Patriots needed because uh, that that has been their Achilles heel. Uh, No pass rush has led to their secondary just being shredded in recent years. And uh, these two may be the answer. It's going to be fun to watch. And then last night, as if we needed any reminder that the NFL is back uh, in the Bears-Packers game, uh, seeing Jake Cutler fired up, let, uh, letting it go on an offensive lineman for lack of uh, protection, just reminded me uh, how great it is to have the NFL back. And everybody else agreed. There was 105 million people tuned in. <clears throat> Over the weekend, uh, which are just, again, record-setting numbers, Uh, three of the games were the most 
were six, three of the six most watched non-Olympic TV shows since the Super Bowl. Uh, NFL games were the top ratings in all 30. NFL markets, NFL network, NFL digital media all posted just opening weekend records. So it just keeps getting better and better. There's just no other way to say it. You just can't believe it's going to continue to grow, but yet it continues to grow. Week in, week out, year in, year out. It's just uh, it's an absolute machine right now, and we're all better off for it. So moving on to, uh, oh, and as a final note uh, on the NFL, I will be attending this Sunday's Patriots home opener. Very excited. Get to see Larry Fitzgerald, uh, all-world Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver with the Cardinals. So looking forward to watching him play up close and personal. I'm a big fan. I uh, Number one, he played at Pitt. And uh, as you know, I'm from western Pennsylvania and have attended many Pitt games through the years, going back to the days of Tony Dorsett. And also, most importantly, his father is a sports writer. So kindred spirit, shall we say. My low light of the week is that the NHL lockout is scheduled to officially begin tomorrow. The owners are taking a hard line. I find it thoroughly depressing that the word lockout is even being associated again with the NHL. Uh, it was only, uh, what, 94, excuse me, 2004 or so when they uh, basically missed a season. So here we are again. It just seems like yesterday that that season got missed, and now it's going to hurt a lot more. I mean, they have that great, great contract with NBC. The hockey star has risen dramatically on the American sports landscape. Let's just say a lot of people now know what we all, what all hockey fans already knew, that uh the best thing in sports is the Stanley Cup playoffs. There's just nothing like it. And uh, so it feels like they're shooting themselves in the foot. I don't get it, but they are taking the hard line. And, uh, again, we're all uh, at a, a worse off for that. And my bizarre story of the week uh, was watching Louisiana Monroe upsetting Arkansas on Saturday night. Uh in overtime, it was awesome. And has any other team gone through more ups and downs than Arkansas? I mean, from Bobby Petrino to Ryan Mallett to, you know, getting close but not there. They're just uh, a fascinating team to watch, like them or not. And uh, Really liking what they're doing with college football these days with all the new outlets. Fox is now in the game, broadcasting college football games. Uh, you know, I just was flipping around on Saturday night, channel surfing like so many, and uh, lo and behold, you know, come across this game, see it's close, and just watch the entire rest of the game live. And uh, so watching college football on Saturday is now somewhat akin to NFL red zone because um, there's so many games and you have the chance to tune in and catch upsets like Louisiana Monroe beating Arkansas. We'll see how, uh, again, given the ups and downs of the Razorbacks, it's going to be fun to uh, watch them against Alabama tomorrow. Could be interesting. Well, I attended two events this week. First was the, uh, 
Jared Mayo Bowl, uh, where he, uh, the Patriots linebacker, has a great benefit for Boston Children's Hospital uh, and actually Boston City Hospital, which treats children uh, up here, and it was just terrific. Uh, Gronk was there. Tom Brady was there. Troy Brown, former Patriots receiver who's being enshrined into the Patriots Hall of Fame tomorrow, uh, was also there, as were many, many others. And here's what Jared Mayo had to say about his event. I decided to do this a couple of years ago. Uh, this is the third annual Mayo Bowl, and uh, we partner with two great groups, you know, Boston Medical Center and Fishing In for Kids, you know, two great organizations that we truly believe in, and uh, it's a great thing for us. So everyone has a good time bowling? Oh, definitely. You know, bowling is something that everyone can do, you know, man or woman, child or adult, and uh, it's just a fun time. Yeah. And uh, what was the inspiration behind being the charities to, to work with for the Mayo Bowl? Just something that we strongly believe in, you know. Uh, Boston Medical, you know, they don't turn anyone away, you know, as far as healthcare is concerned. And, you know, during this economy and things like that, that's huge, you know. And uh, Fishing Net for Kids, they do a lot of work with kids in the urban, in the urban, in the urban city, and uh, we support that as well. Great. Quite a turnout for your teammates. We've got a whole bunch of guys here. Is it more of, like, you intimidating them to get them here? Ah, uh, definitely not. You know, uh, we're a family, and uh, I'm, I'm truly grateful for them coming out supporting this event and supporting the cause that we believe in. Jared Mayo is one of those athletes who truly gets it. I met him as a rookie. I was impressed then. I'm impressed now. And he is just terrific. And his event, which is only 10 minutes from my house at a local bowling alley, is uh, really one of the better athlete foundation events that uh, that's going on these days. And another attendee was uh, Patriots defensive back Devin McCourty, and here's what he had to say about the Mayo Bowl held the day after the Patriots opening victory against the Titans. Always fun, um, especially to come out, hang out with some teammates, and when you can hang out with your teammates for a good cause and be a part of something that uh, I think we all feel like is bigger than football, you know, it's just a good thing to do. A lot of people are excited about the defense. I know it's one game, but, uh, you know, the difference in your unit, the aggressiveness, talk about your performance yesterday. Um, I think we came out and we executed uh, the game plan, and uh, this year that's key for us. We want to come out and just execute whatever game plan we have that weekend. Like you said, first game of the season, we want to just take it one step at a time, but but uh, that's a, it's a great way to start the season. You know, it's better to start that way than start uh, badly. Who's the best bowler on the team? I don't know. I know we got a lot of guys that practice, so uh, I'm not one of those guys. I used to play a lot, so hopefully I can stick around with uh, hopefully the bottom half of the team. Well, who's the worst? I don't know. I hope it's not me, though. I doubt it'll be me. Is there a lot of trash talking in an event like this? You know, uh, this, will be my, this will be my first year, so how you doing? <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be some trash talking going on out there. No problem. Thanks. Well, as you can hear from that clip, uh, a lot of excitement on the red carpet, uh, high-energy event, and it was great to hear from Devin McCourty, who the day before had played against the twin his twin brother, who's a member of the Tennessee Titans. The other event that I attended this week was the Connecticut Sun WNBA team's victory over the Chicago Sky on Sunday down at Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut. And the Connecticut Sun are, they've already locked up a playoff berth for the WNBA, which will be starting uh, here in a few weeks, the postseason. They're in first place in the East. They have the second-best record in the WNBA, only to the Minnesota Lynx. And uh, it was a great victory 
for uh, for the Sun, and they were led as they often are by Tina Charles with 24 points. Here's what Tina had to say about uh, her missing teammate, fellow Olympian Asia Jones. You know, the moment that Asia, you know, said that she she would be out for a couple of weeks, you know, we, we definitely had to think mentally that all right, this is some people gonna have to step up. You know, everybody's roles change, and I think everybody's gonna handle it well. What do you think what went on in the second half, coming back from the halftime deficit, could be a bit of a turning point, getting you back get kind of in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely great. You know, we came out with a lot of energy, a lot of momentum. You know, Jessica Moore. You know, every time we come in the halftime, she always has something to say, and I think that was something we were missing in the first half of the season. You know, to have somebody in the locker room to have something to say, and she definitely um, kept that. For and the Sun have sputtered recently with uh, their uh, star Olympian player, Asia Jones, being out uh, due to injury for last week or two since her return from, uh, from the Olympics. And, uh, but, and they were down at halftime uh, on Sunday against the Sky, but uh, something transformed them at the half, and... Uh, and they come out and they look like the Sun that uh, clearly is one of the favorites to win the WNBA championship. And here's what Coach Mike Tebow had to say about Ace Jones. down with me on the court some the last three days, shooting on the move and doing stuff. Uh, we need to get her one or two live practices, hopefully maybe later in the week, just for a short amount of time, just to get her balanced. The, the idea, if, if we can get her in a game, is not so much you know, big minutes, but to let her get the field, get bumped and playing in a defensive stance and doing that, whether she plays 10 or 16 minutes, I don't know. So that when we come back, that maybe the following week when we're getting ready for those last two home games, that she can maybe play 20 minutes or something in those games. And that, that's the plan. I don't know what's going to happen. We see every day after she works out how sore she is. She's better than she was. I don't think she's comfortable enough to play many minutes in the game right now. If we had to play a playoff game today, um, you know, she could play. The lucky thing is that right now we've got about 18 to 20 days before we have to play a playoff game. So I I expect in that period of time, we'll see progress. What do you think? Well, as you can clearly hear, uh, the Sun are close to getting Asia Jones back. And when they do, I think they'll return to being the old Sun, who again have had some Struggles lately, getting used to uh, playing without her, but uh, but again, looks like she'll be back in time for the postseason, and watch out for the sun. And here's what star sun guard Kara Lawson had to say about their second half comeback. You just seem like a different team as opposed to the first half. Uh, did you reach a point in halftime where you just said it was time to turn it around? Or? I think it was just a matter of, um, you know, get, getting our defense set, um, really locking in. Um, and I thought we, we made a better effort in the second half to... Uh, to get the ball to Tina there on the block and, and uh, you know, ran some plays to get her in the, in the one-on-one situations. And, and that, you know, that's what we need to do. We, we need to find ways to get her easy looks, and uh, we need to be able to lock in defensively. So uh, it was... It was a really good comeback for us, and, you know, we had to earn it. It, was, it wasn't like, um, you know, we came out and hit everything or, you know, they, they turned it over and gave it to us. I mean, we, we had to go earn that one. 
And did you feel it was important to, uh, you know, win this game, get off on the right foot for your, for your big West Coast trip coming up? Absolutely. Uh, anytime you go on the road, you want to have good feelings going on the road. On top of that, uh, we're still playing for something. We're still playing for home court. We're still playing for the number one seed in this conference. So there's there's a lot for us to play for um, and a lot, of, a lot of reasons why we want to win games. Uh, on top of that, uh, you just want to be a team that's peaking at the right time and be a team that's playing good, that's feeling good about yourself towards the end of the regular season. And that was the very articulate Kara Lawson, and you'll recognize Kara as being one of the analysts on ESPN when they cover the NCAA women's postseason basketball tournament. So as Kara referenced, they're, uh, the Sun are headed on a big West Coast trip, they won last night or Wednesday night in Phoenix. Big game tonight uh, against Los Angeles, and it's going to be on NBA TV at 11 p.m. Eastern time. And here's what Coach Tebow had to say about the West Coast trip. You know, our, our, our motto is we can go in no matter who's playing. Uh, and we've proven that already. Uh, it'll be a lot harder on, on Wednesday night, but uh, crazier things have happened. Uh, we plan on team to play on the weekend. So, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll just take it, you know, one day at a time. We'll get ready for Phoenix. We'll watch the film of that ugly mess from the other night and uh, you know, prepare for them. We'll worry about L.A. You know, come travel day on Thursday to L.A. And that's, that's how we've done the whole season up to now. And you know, we aren't looking that far ahead. It's my job to kind of plan out, you know, roster management. But right now, you know, we know that we have nine players to play against Phoenix. And we'll try to figure out a way to win that game. And as the uh, Sun again prepare for postseason positioning with this uh, West Coast trip, Mike, uh, Coach Tebow had a few more things to say about the West Coast trip that they have underway as we speak. You don't know which things you're going to get. Um, we're going to play the team without Tina. Obviously, LA and Seattle are playoff teams. Um, we lost to them here at home. Uh, and, you know, the LA game was probably one of the best WNBA games for people to watch over the year, just in a minute. Um, you know, we'll see where they are by the time we get there. Um, expectations are you know, to do what we've been doing, go play as hard as we can on the road, uh, try to outwork the opponent and see what happens. Uh, there's not a lot of you know, special strategy. All three teams have a different style about them. So, um, you know, we'll see. I don't know whether we'll get Asian games or not. We're hoping to maybe by the weekend, but I don't know yet. So, fun time of year in the uh, WNBA as they head to the postseason here in the next couple of weeks. And now, as my former co-host, Lee Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be my weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. 
You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done, and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Barry, how are you doing today? Excellent, John. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for joining the show, as always, and uh, football's arrived. Uh, thank goodness, and... Anxious to get your views on the first week of uh, the NFL. Well, so there's a couple things that just kind of you know, jump out as, as, as takeaways. Number one, uh, being in New York, I think, uh, you know, the Jets did have a school after all, you know. I mean, uh, yes, it's only one game, and they, it, it, it's hard to uh, you know, make, make grandiose statements off, off of one. However, you know, judging on how, how bad the Jets offense looked in the preseason, you know, you'd have to think either a they were indeed holding things back, or b they just were, were grasping at straws. But you know, maybe uh, maybe it's a combination of the two. With with you know, maybe the the emphasis being on yeah, they were holding us back. I mean, to score forty eight points against the Bills, uh, against the a Bills team that was that was widely believed by many to prove this year that they shouldn't look like it last week. But meanwhile, the Jets look look, look great. Uh, you know, Mark Sanchez obviously. Putting the stamp on the idea, yeah, this is his team uh, to the point where the reports this week that uh, you know Tim Tebow might ask for a trade after the season, which is kind of interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly that's one takeaway is that you know, the Jets, you know, certainly looking better than we expected them to. 
Uh, I think one of the other takeaways is that uh, if, if again, you know, we're, we're, look, we're working at a very, very small sample after just the first week, but um, RG3 certainly looked look great. Uh, man, the offense of the Redskins, boy, I mean, every play, and this is against the Saints team that was pretty good, right? I mean, yes. you know, and that's another thing, too. Maybe the Saints aren't as good as we think they are. I mean, uh, you know, they gave, they freeze trouble defensively, but boy, uh, Robert Griffin sure looked good, uh, as quarterback for that team. You know, running the ball, throwing the ball, um, he seemed to be everything, uh, everything is advertised. Um, you know, I, I think those those two things, and I think you know maybe the, the Cowboys look like they're for real too after being the beating the Giants, who I didn't think looked all that particularly good. But uh, yeah, I, I think the things that impressed me most about about Week One, uh, also the Ravens looked very good in their opener. Uh, Flacco looked terrific. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think for me, I think the biggest if I had to pick two takeaways from Week One, I'd have to say the, the Jets looking really good, and I have to say uh, Robert Griffin the Third looking really good for the Skins as well. Well, I agree. RG3 was clearly the story of the week, and I talked about him in my opening segment. I'm a huge fan, having met him at the NFL Draft this past April, and uh, he lights up a room the way he lights up a football field, trust me. So he's uh, he could be the next in line, shall we say, to succeed the Tom Brady and Peyton Mannings of the world uh, as they move along in their career, and... Uh, you know, let's not sleep on Andrew Luck. He had a rough first outing, but uh, he's going to be just fine. And uh, I think RG3 and Andrew Luck are going to be the uh, the next big things in the NFL. And uh, on your Jets point, I totally agree. Uh, you know, they look good. Nobody expected them to light up light it up for 48 points after not scoring a touchdown in the preseason, at least they're starting offense. And uh, to me, my game of the week. Uh, as I look out here uh, for the upcoming weekend as Jets at Steelers. I just think it's going to be awesome. I mean, Mark Sanchez doing it against the Bills is one thing. Going into Pittsburgh and doing it against the Steelers is totally another thing. We'll remember it was not too long ago. Those two met in the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, but, you know, props to Sanchez. He stepped up. Had a fabulous, fabulous opening game. And, uh, yeah, the Tebow news was uh, very, very interesting, to say the least. Uh, and on that note, NFL Network uh, debuted just the other night uh, a new football my life called the, the Faces of Tim Tebow, which compared him with five other players and uh, Roger Staubach, Cordell Stewart, uh, at all, and it, it was just fabulous. I loved it, so I highly recommend that show, to say the least. They, they do a good job with that stuff. I mean, you know, certainly with their relationship with uh, with NFL films. Uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of uh, NFL films from, from way back in the you know the old football follies days, you know, way back when. So uh, yeah, that, that 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 is good stuff. And I agree with you too about the you know I, I think that that. Jets-Steelers game, you know, that's going to be the second half, you know, I think, for most of the country on the, uh, the CGS doubleheader uh, on Sunday. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a good game, too. I think, uh, you know, certainly you know, a lot of people looking at the Jets kind of with a different eye now after last week. And the Steelers will, are always, always tough at home. And uh, these two teams obviously have that, that postseason history. So, yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be kind of must-watch TV as well. 
Yes, and must, much like the Packers having a, quote, must-win game last night against the Bears after they lost their opener to the 49ers, uh, you could say the same about the Steelers. This is pretty much a must-win for them, uh, so to speak. And uh, all the statistics about teams that start 0-2 uh, are not good, especially the Packers, because they would have, you know, would have started 0-2 at home had they lost last night. Uh, and those statistics are... Uh, unbelievable as far as chance to make in the playoffs. So, uh, the Steelers are going to be angry after the way they lost uh, out in Denver, and the Jets, uh, I think, are going to be going into a hornet's nest. They're going to be riding high, but nonetheless, uh, they're going to be going into an angry Heinz field. So, I think that's just going to be a great one. And another one that clearly is going to be of uh, huge interest. Uh, 49ers Lions, uh, the the recreation of the handshake bowl from last year, which we all remember quite well. Yeah, that should be that should be fun too, and uh, you know certainly the uh, you know the 49ers, uh, you know they everybody a lot of people picking them as one of the top teams in the NFC certainly, um, and the Lions you know made made huge strides last year and hoping to pick up on that this year. Uh, I think another another game that, that kind of caught my eye this week, and that, you know, one of the teams we referenced uh, earlier, um, Saints and the Panthers. I think that, that's a game that probably a lot of people didn't look at as a big game on the schedule uh, when the schedule first came out. But now that the Saints are 0-1, you know, going into Carolina, that game was like the game at Carolina, I believe. So, uh, you know, the Saints, you know, who would thought who would have thought the Saints with a chance to go start their season out 0-2. I mean, granted, you know, a lot of the, all the off-season problems they had, but they still have Drew Brees. They still have that that uh, very prolific offense. You know, going to Carolina, uh, uh, you know, another team that, that people expected some improvement from uh, this year, the second year, uh, with Cam Newton at the helm. So, yeah, that, that could be a tough spot for the Saints, too, I think. So that, 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 those are two, two teams, I'm sorry, two games, I think to definitely keep our eyes on this week. Yes, and, you know, going back to the Saints' loss to the Redskins, I mean, you know, not to take anything away from RG3 in any way, shape, or form, he was utterly spectacular. But, you know, let's not forget that, just to keep it in perspective, Sean Payton was not on the sidelines, and I put him easily as among the top five coaches uh, in the NFL especially when it comes to, you know, his presence on the sidelines. I've had the good fortune to literally sit at his table for the NFL coaches breakfast and interview him uh, back a couple years ago. I also, at an NFL owners meeting two years ago, and then this past uh, March at the same NFL annual meeting, uh, I was there when... Sean Payton was literally accosted by dozens of media in the lobby of the Breakers in Palm Beach when he walked in his first public appearance after the Bounty Gate story broke. And, boy, you talk about a guy uh, under siege. Um, it was incredible scene, to put it mildly. And he, he just handled it beautifully. Um, he was literally under media assault. So I'm a big fan of Sean Payton. He has charisma. There's no other way to say it. And when Sean Payton's standing on the sidelines doing things like calling onside kicks to win Super Bowls, uh, you know, he's, he's a huge, huge 
on-field live presence. So his fact that he is not on those sidelines and they literally have the interim to the interim coach, it's a problem. It just is, even in the Superdome. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and uh, to that point, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, somebody was talking about it this week, but I don't remember where I heard it, and I'm like, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, the Saints are essentially on their third-string coach. I mean, right. you don't have to you don't have Bitt, and now you have your, 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 basically your third-string head coach, and, you know, you're, you're not going to, you know, with all the preparation, with all the routine, with all the, with, with everything these guys do away from the field, you know, meetings, practice mm-hmm. schedules, uh, everything. I mean, that has to that has to be a huge, huge, huge factor. And you're not going to have Sean Payne around for the entire year. Uh, that's and that, that's obviously going to hurt them. I mean, yeah, they still have a lot of the same players. You know, now that they're uh, you know that uh, you know some of these guys are going to come back. Some of the guys in Bambigate, but still, I mean, you know, to not have your your head coach, the guy that led you to the Super Bowl championship, not in the picture for an entire year. Yeah, that's that's obviously going to hurt. So. You know, I, I think we almost have to have to expect a correction there. You know, but uh, you know, I, I was quite frankly a little surprised last week at that game. On still, all that said, I mean, are are the Saints as bad as they looked, or are the Redskins as good as they looked, or is it a combination of the two? I would tend to think it was probably uh, a combination of the two. I think the Redskins are going to be much improved with Archie three, and I think the Saints are going to come back to earth a little bit. You know, will they still be one of the top teams? You know, they still have the, the they still have the talent, but you know, will, will they be able to execute? Will they be able to get through all these other emotional and mental hurdles they have? And this is, well, time will tell. We'll see. Yes. Well, there's a reason that you know, Sean Payton is a Bill Parcells hand-picked, hand-chosen protege. He, of course, was with Parcells down in Dallas, and obviously they're so close that. Peyton was talking to Parcells about basically taking his job for this year, but Parcells ultimately decided not to do it. But uh, needless to say, Parcells and Pey- uh, Sean Peyton are very, very close. Peyton, like Parcells, is an inspirational leader. And the only way you can be that inspiration is if you're physically there right in front of your guys. And Peyton just cannot be. This year, nor was he last Sunday at the Superdome. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really going to be interesting to, uh, to watch that on Sunday. I agree. And, you know, Cam Newton and the Panthers coming off a less than stellar opener. So they're going to be angry and at home. Always a good combination for the NFL. And, uh, so yeah. And the Saints are going to be, you know, quasi desperate, so to speak. So it's it's going to be uh, fun to say the least, and you know it's just great to have uh, the NFL back I, again. I talked earlier in the show how they just shattered records, viewership records again this weekend. Uh, Sunday night, Broncos Steelers, highest rated Sunday night game ever, 105 million people tuned in over the weekend, uh, and it was just you know every every week now, plus every year, it just gets bigger and bigger when you say, or at least I think, it just can't get any bigger. But yet, it just does every single week. It's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, Paul's king. I mean, I think we all realize that, and I think everyone knows that. And I don't, you know, that's not something that's really up for debate. I mean, you know, years ago, you know, you could almost debate, you know, when, 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 when 
we were kids and, you know, baseball was really popular. And not that baseball is popular now, but it's not nearly as popular as the NFL. I think, you know, baseball was king at one time. Uh, and then the NFL kind of pulled even and, and clearly uh, the NFL is way ahead of, of all the, of, of all the major sports. Football is, is clearly un, undoubtedly unequivocally uh, number one. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that, that, that changing anytime in, in the near or even the distant future. It's just gotten so popular and people look forward to it so much. It's so, such a huge business. Uh, you know, you have fantasy football, you have, you know, just everything, you know, direct TV, everything that, that revolves around the NFL, basically. Um, you know, all the, all the direct TV packages and, you know, Dish Network, what have you. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it becomes a huge part of our life. It's a huge, uh, part of our, our fabric as Americans. I mean, you know, you you can make the case that Super Bowl Sunday, to basically for all intents and purposes, is a national holiday. You know, maybe it should be recognized as such. Maybe you need to say the you know, that Monday Super Bowl, make it like you know Super Day or something. You know, uh, maybe that's something we can can uh, we can start uh, you know banging the drum for because uh, it's it a national holiday and you know everybody looks forward to it. And, you know, the day, the day after, uh, the Super Bowl, uh, you know, it probably should be a day for, for rest and recovery and, you know, maybe mourning the loss of football for another year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, let's, let, 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 let's start that right now. You know, maybe the, you know, uh, another Monday federal holiday, Super Day, the day after the Super Bowl. What do you think of that? Well, I think it's good, and the fact is, Barry, I think it's already underway because, mark my words, in the not-too-distant future, the Super Bowl will be played on President's Day weekend. I'm not the first to say it, trust me. Uh, that means it will be two weeks later than what it is typically played now, which is the first weekend in February. Obviously, President's Day, Monday, is a national holiday. There's nothing else going on in the sports calendar in February. And to me, it's just absolutely inevitable. So uh, stay tuned yeah, for Super work. Bowl Sunday, soon to be followed by... President's Day, Monday, already a national holiday, and frankly, I think everybody would love it because it just extends it into the NFL for another couple weeks into what is just a wasteland for sports in February, and, you know, it's just, uh, but a big key to that was really going to be the 18-game schedule. That's when you were hearing a lot of chatter about that this particular topic. And as we know, given the new CBA, concussions, players' health, adding on another two games was just not going to be happening right now. But that's not to say that that's not going to be dis- that's going to disappear. And in fact, I would say that after this past preseason, very recently passed, just a couple of weeks ago, when obviously the interest just wasn't there, nor more importantly, were the crowds. Um, you know the 18 game schedule. That topic has not gone away. It's just going to, it's going to be dormant for a bit, but not forever. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. I mean, I, 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 I'm kind of a proponent of you know, maybe getting getting rid of. And I, I, we've talked about this. And I, I've actually blogged about this. I, I, I think it wouldn't be out of the realm to get rid of the NFL preseason as we know it entirely. I mean, granted, uh, you know, you need to have some kind of competition against. You know, other teams besides yourself, otherwise you go crazy. Uh, but, you know, you could have controlled scrimmages. You could have scrimmages at your training camp site. You know, uh, give the fans free admission. You know, you might want to charge, uh, you know, maybe some concessions. 
you know, having to get some hot dogs and some adult beverages, perhaps. But, um, you know, I, I don't think fans would miss uh, preseason games, especially the ones with season ticket packages. Right. Oh, absolutely not. No. I mean, you know, I think two games is right. One home, one away. I think the season ticket holders would have no problem with that. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder for the Patriots, and, you know, uh, one preseason game sounds about right to me. But with that said, Barry, we're going to take our break, and uh, I know you're sticking around on the other side. flagship station for sports voice america sports are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker be sure to tune in to backpacking america's trails with host rob maureen we'll explore some of the most fascinating places on earth in addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Whitetails Extreme. On this week's program, we'll have David Allen, president of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Idaho Wolf Hunting Guide, Mike Ritchie. Hey, plus Joe Movier, director of Montana Game Wildlife and Fish, and Ryan Benson with Big Game Forever. When we talk about what to do about wolves. And it's all brought to you by Ram at Ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, and sticking with us on the line was Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, glad you could stick around. And I want to tap into another area of your expertise, which is hockey, and the very fact that tomorrow at midnight, I guess it is, we could be in another lockout. Can you believe it? 
it's, it's really unfortunate. You know, uh, you know, this would be the third uh, labor stop, uh, place stoppage for labor reasons uh, since Gary Bettman has been the NHL commissioner. And yeah, that's, a, that's, that, that's, that, that's a pretty bad legacy, I think. Um, it, 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 it's really sad because I think hockey, you know, has really, um, you know, enjoyed a renaissance as far as uh, fan interest, as far as uh, the playoffs have been really good the past couple of years. Uh, there's been a lot of interest. Just certainly New York, you know, with, with, with the Rangers getting good again. I think the, um, you know, the HBO 24-7 series uh, with the NHL has really helped boost uh, popularity. I think the Winter Classic has been great for the NHL, uh, certainly getting it on the radar. Um, so, yeah, I think there's been a lot of good things that the NHL has done. And, you know, to kind of see it, you know, maybe go all uh, down the tubes again, it would be really sad. It would be really, it would be unfortunate. You know, and, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a hockey guy and a hockey fan. I just, I just think it's bad. It's just bad for the sport. It's bad for any of the major sports that have to be dealing with this seemingly time and time again. You know, uh, you know, there's always, you know, the rhetoric and the, the and the you know, banging of sabers. You know, whatever, whatever cliche you want to use to talk about labor situations. But you know, there's, you know, that's to be expected. You're going to, you know, especially as it comes down to it. You know, you're going to see, you know, both sides, you know, kind of sticking to the, you know, drawing their lines in the sand, sticking their guns, you know, all those, again, all those tired military analogies we tend to use in these types of situations. But, oh, yeah. It, yeah, but, you know, this is to be expected. And, you know, you'd like to think that as it gets down to the deadline, you know, there'd be a little more sense of urgency. I'm a little surprised that there really isn't, doesn't seem to be that sense of urgency. And, you know, and, and we all know that this is, that this is the league that wants you know, that one hunted an entire season away because of a labor labor situation. So I, I would hope they wouldn't be as stupid to do that again. I hope they aren't, you know, because, you know, I, I think, as I said, I think the NHL has made great strides in the past couple of years uh, with popularity and such. So I, I, would just, I, I would just hope that they could all, you know, figure out how to make it work. I mean, you know... I don't know how broke the situation is. I mean, in, in all these situations, it's always... You know, millionaire owner—I'm sorry, millionaire players versus billionaire owners. That's usually how how it shakes out. And you know, we saw it in the NFL too. Um, you know, uh, you know, depending on who you talk to, uh, some people are saying this, 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 uh, and maybe it's because you know now they now have uh, Donald Fear on board representing the players. It seems like it's a more um, more professional kind of approach to it. There isn't as much um, uh, you know uh, nastiness. Uh, not as cantankerous as it was before. Um, you know, when Bob Goodnow was 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 of the players players association. Um, you know, if, if we're looking for positives, maybe that's one of them. But you know, they still need to come to an agreement. They still need to talk. They still need to work these 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 major issues out. And and, and you know, for, for, more, for what we're seeing, you know, they're not even close on on the major core issues of rev spending, et cetera. You know, all these all the things, you know, hockey related revenue and all. All the catchphrases and all the things that fans don't want to hear about, and writers don't pull that are on sports sports talk shows don't want to talk about. But you know, there and you know, I think from a fan's point of view, you know, most fans will be like, you know, just let me know when it's done because we, we want to play hockey. You know, the players definitely want to play. You know, Jim Dolan, the Rangers owner, says all we want to do is play. And and you know, I, I believe everybody. I believe that everybody wants the game to go on, and I believe they're. Play, but you know, that they they get this work and they have to come to the table and talk and I think both sides need, you know and it, you know like it is in, in 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 any negotiation under any circumstance no matter what 
business or situation you're talking about. You, know, you have to be able, both sides have to come to the table, you know, willing to, willing to negotiate and willing to compromise. That, that's just the way these things work. And, you know, for both sides to be so obstinate, you know, we're, we're not budging, well, we're not budging either. It's like a game of chicken. And, you know, you know, we see this all the time in these labor situations. You know, I, I think if they can come to the table and, and, you know, and be a little conciliatory and, let, and, you know, look at the big picture and say, look, we all, we're all in this together. It's got to be a partnership. And we all need to figure out the best way to make this work for everybody so we don't go down the road. You know, we went down that horrible road once before, the worst road you can go down, and we're back. We somehow were able to come back. It happened to baseball too. You know, uh, you know, losing a World Series one year back in '94. So you know, it was, you know, it, it's happened before. And uh, I, and I think for that reason, they should really just make make darn sure it doesn't happen again. And you make great points, Barry. And yeah, I, I just think there's a couple of X factors here that make this a particularly precarious position, which is simply number one. It was only their last season was, you know, only a few years back when it was the last time they had to reach an agreement and they couldn't do it and they lost the season. So here we are again. And, you know, it's happening the next time out, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, this is the third of the four major sports, uh, third one in, in three years now. I mean, first we had, you know, the NFL. Then we had obviously the NBA. And now for the third time in two years, we're, you know, facing another lockout situation. And, you know, I think everybody's just sick of sports labor negotiations and the NFL or excuse me, the NHL could really take a hit for this only because people, the fringe fans, which is what they were starting to get back. The hardcores are the hardcores, especially in hockey. And they're just going to be there no matter what. But I think, you know, they recovered from their previous missed season. They got the new NBC contract, great coverage, great postseasons. And, you know, they really brought in a lot of new and fringe fans. And those people are now, I believe, really going to be at risk. And part, part of it's not the NHL's fault. They just happen to be the third sport in two years on the precipice of, you know, having this all play out in the media and it will get ugly. You're right. It's been very professional up to now, but not for long, as they say. No. And, you know, and, you know, to your point about, you know, people just getting tired of it. I mean, you know, let's not forget, I mean, you know, the economy is, is a, a big issue in this country, especially in an election year. So, you know, you, you have that on top of it, you know, that really doesn't, you know, it, it, it kind of doesn't have anything to do with it, but it kind of does because, you know, I don't think fans really want to hear about the economic of a league that's, you know, making money hand over fist when, you know, there's a lot of people just struggling in this country to put food on the table. So, you know, I, I think, I think that that's why I think when I say they have to look at the big picture and be cognizant of, of all the factors involved, you know, it, it, it would behoove everybody and be in the best interest of, of, of the game, of the, of the owners, of the teams, of the fans, of the players, of everybody to just sit down. Go to, maybe go to binding arbitration. I'm, I'm always a huge fan of binding arbitration at any level. Oh yeah, so, you know, just put them in a room and, and nobody comes out and say you got a deal. Let's you know, let's just do that. You know, and, you know, maybe 
maybe starting tomorrow room. night at midnight. It's starting tomorrow night at midnight. No bathroom breaks. No food. No nothing. Just sit in the room and let's get this done. You know, and I'm, exactly. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of that. So oh, yeah. you know, so maybe that's what we have to do from now on in these labor situations. And then you then you see these things settled in about two hours. Trust me. Correct. <laughs> Absolutely, especially with no bathroom breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, again, it's sad. You know, last year on October 1st, I enjoyed it so much that I actually remember the date nearly 12 months later. But last year on October 1st, I attended Bruins Media Day at the TD Garden here in Boston. They, of course, were the defending Stanley Cup champions. And I've been to a lot of media days in my life. And that was one of the best ones I've ever attended because of, you know, the energy of having, you know, the defending champions holding their media day. And needless to say, I, you know, had kind of circled early October on my calendar for another Bruins media day. And uh, unless something happens in the next 36 hours, uh, there won't be any media day happening anytime soon, I guess. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I just think that, again, it's just sad. Uh, I think it's going to happen, obviously. I think if, when you get to this point, uh, you yeah, know, it seems, like, yeah, it seems like a fait accompli. And unfortunately, Barry, uh, you know, this is all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to thank you, as always, for your insight. Um, good to have football underway. Bad to have hockey in such an uncertain situation. So hopefully uh, they get it together in the next day. <laughs> makes, it, makes, makes it even more happy to have football back, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. Uh, especially true up here in New England where uh, we used to have a baseball team called the Red Sox, but they're no longer relevant in uh, <laughs> September, to say the least. So, well, the way the Yankees again, are going, they might, the Yankees may not be relevant much longer either. We even get to that. So uh, who knows? By this time next week, we could be talking about the – how about the Orioles going to the postseason, perhaps? Good point. Good point. Well, the Orioles uh, served notice last September when they beat the Red Sox, beat up the Red Sox throughout the month, that uh, they had something there, and lo and behold, we're seeing it now. But once again, thank you, Barry, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.